0: Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver, where we look at politics, culture and current events through an integral lens. Today I'm talking with Ray Riglioso about the astonishing progress being made by the gay community in the United States and throughout most of the developed world. Ray is the founder of Gay Men of Wisdom and is the author of the book Gay Men and the New Way Forward. Ray and I recorded our conversation this last March, just as his book was being released. Also, I wanted to let you know that the daily Evolver live podcast is on hiatus for the summer. We're taking the time to focus on upgrading the website and to work on a couple other special projects. We'll be back with a live weekly podcast in September. In the meantime, we will continue to post interesting conversations with fascinating people each week, along with posts and tweets and whatever else we think you might be interested in. So stay in touch. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and sign up for our weekly updates on dailyevolver.com. Here's my conversation about the evolution of gay culture with Ray Riglioso, So welcome, Ray. In your new book, Gay Men and the New Way Forward, which is just out. I see that it was just published here in March, right? This month. Right. March 2nd. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It's a terrific book. And your thesis is that gay men serve as evolutionary leaders for humanity. And that's a big statement. And I guess we'll just start there. Why don't you just explain a bit about what you mean by that?
1: Sure. That's the founding vision for the Gay Men of Wisdom Project, which I have run for the last three years. What I've done is looked at what makes gay men different. I've looked at that that range of of traits, and I've engaged gay men in discussion groups and weekend programs throughout the United States and Canada for the last several years, exploring these questions about how are we different? What do we do that others don't? And when you start to look at the picture of how gay men as a group contribute to the human family, you can't help but conclude that we make evolutionary contributions, that we serve an evolutionary function. And it's when you when you begin to look at this, on the surface, it sounds like a really tall order. But when you look at the 14 distinct gay male gifts, which I have synthesized in this book, the picture really emerges very clearly and powerfully that we play special roles. We have functions in the human family that contribute to the welfare and vitality of humans and the expansion of consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because... You know, just at at first glance, the main difference between gay men and straight men is that gay men are attracted sexually and affectionately uh, to other men. But it's really a lot more than that. Uh, It's disposition and and personality and just sort of the soul of gay men is distinct. Yes, yes. And
1: our identity is built on this notion that, our distinguishing characteristic characteristic is sexual orientation having a different sexual orientation. But that's really only a piece of us. It's certainly important and it deserves to be honored, but it's one of many differences. And I would propose and one of the 14 gifts is that that we have a different social orientation Mm -hmm. that, that we are, we're oriented towards service and when you get a group of of gay men together and you ask them, how are we different? And this is how I started many of my, my weekend programs and my discussion groups. All of these ideas that you see in the book come up again and again and again. And when you look at the gay spirituality literature, we can even go back to Uh, Edward Carpenter's The Intermediate Sex. But if we want to look in the more recent past, if we want to begin with the uh, books by Mark Thompson, the Gay Soul, Gay Spirit, Gay Body Trilogy, there are many works by thoughtful gay men that ask this question of what is our soul? How is our energy different? What do we do that's different? And these themes emerge over and over again. So this type of exploration of asking what do we do, who are we, produces a fairly consistent set of answers over the generations.
0: And um, what are the categories of these differences or these gifts that you have found?
1: There were three groupings, and then there is what I call a foundational gift. So first grouping is serving and healing humanity and there are several gifts under that. The second grouping is reinventing manhood. The third is freeing and enriching the human spirit. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed is this gift that I call masculine feminine intelligence, And, and it permeates just about all of the other gifts, which is why I call it a foundational gift. It's this ability to use the masculine and feminine with ease. And, the, and this, the fact that we as gay men possess the masculine and feminine in balance. So it's those two things. It's the balance of masculine and feminine and that intelligent use of masculine and feminine. We, we move in and out of each as the need arises. And that gives us full access to the the entire range of human expression. So it allows us to do things differently
0: and to do different things. And we see that happening in culture in general. It's one of the uh, principles of evolutionary theory or integral theory is that we, as we continue to grow and evolve in consciousness, we just include more, we integrate Mm -hmm. more. And there are various stages of that that we have all mapped out and so forth. And masculine and feminine are two of the, you know, they're, they're we, would, we would consider them polarities. The way that our great-grandparents were men and women is very different than the way our parents were and very different than the way we are now. And we now have men who are, you know, more caring, more caregiving, um, you know, Take on more traditionally feminine roles, and conversely, we see with women that assertion, uh, career orientation, um, you know, qualities that are typically male in history, at least, are now you know encouraged in women, and that we are, you know, men and women in general. Are integrating the gifts of the opposite pole just in a, 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 an astonishing way just in my lifetime
1: yes and, and the women's movement was all about that freedom to express the entire range of human experience yeah. for women to be both feminine and masculine to it's just like bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan as, as the TV commercial went which yeah. to me is such a funny shorthand
0: for, and never it, let it, him forget he's a man. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> it it it's this it's it was this cultural moment that synthesized the 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 women's rights movement and gay men embody this. We have this different way of being men and so we see the the expansion of gender roles as a result of the women's movement and men large numbers of men saying Yes, I want to access those nurturing parts of myself and be good parents for my children for instance. Yeah. And and there's no accident that the millennial generation which has grown up with generations of openly gay men sees manhood differently. Yeah. That 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 gay men have this model we we generally not all of us but if you look at us as a group generally reject that binary we love our masculine and our feminine and we use both with a plum and with, and we celebrate
0: both yeah yeah i love what you were talking about in uh your section about reinventing manhood the drag and camp and um j- just being the sexual outsider is mm-hmm. you know been celebrated in gay culture uh, certainly since the, you know, gay culture began as any kind of a social movement, I guess, probably back in the, I guess in the 50s, but certainly in the 60s. And that that is something that is, you know, really distinct. And I've always wondered about that. You know, I'm, I'm gay, of course. And, um, you know, why did I like Barbara Streisand so much mm-hmm. when my friends were listening to, you know, the Rolling Stones? And, you know, what was it that, uh, you know where my I had this this heart for um, th- these sort of strong women or these outsider or the the, the, the ugly duckling. Um, you know what was that that was just so obvious to me, just so um, strong. And it's just and sort I, of well, built in, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I've always I've asked myself that question since I was a child as well. I had and the typical gay boy has a lot of female friends. Yeah, I had tons of friends who were girls. Always made friendships readily with with girls and women, and I asked myself the same question in writing this book because I wanted to do more than just observe that trait that gay men make natural friends with or or, or are. Uh, have natural friendships with with straight women, I wanted to ask, well, what about that? What implications does that have? And, and that deeper question of why. And when I looked at it, gay men and straight women have the same constellation of traits only in mirror form. And when, when you look through the framework of the 14 distinct gay male gifts, which the book outlines, you see that Gay men have this different social orientation. We are oriented to serve and heal humanity. We have this... Generally, a more feminine energy than the, the the group of straight men, and it shows up as the balance of masculine and feminine, and you can see that also in women. So when you look at the traits, women have this different social orientation, and they have this orientation to serve and heal as well. And they have a more feminine energy. So when gay men and straight women meet each other, they understand each other without mm-hmm. even having to have a conversation. We're almost mirror images of each other. We, we form this very natural bond.
0: No, it's true. What do you think about, I assume that what you're saying about gay men also applies to gay women uh, in a different form, where they're also integrating a, a feminine and masculine quality. Do you think much about that? I,
1: I think about that a lot. And I come up with questions. I don't know the answer um, i I don't have a woman's experience and and i I've talked with lesbians about this, and this whole this whole approach suggests it focuses simply on gay men, but it doesn't suggest that these gifts or that this framework could not also apply to lesbians. but I don't think the entire framework will work. yeah i I think that there is definitely you see the the like the likeness uh, around uh, gender uh gender difference gender variance you can see that among gay men and, and lesbians um our energies are are different i think gay men and lesbians and lesbians energies are 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 quite different. And there's also a range among lesbians as well. And I don't really have the answer to the question because I don't feel qualified to answer it. I don't feel like for me as a gay man, it's even respectful to go there. I want to ask women, I want to ask lesbians to what extent does this apply to you? Yeah. What questions would you ask? What conclusions would you reach?
0: What are your distinct gifts? Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, an interesting inquiry. It really would be. And I mean, so many
1: of these gifts are really specific to being a gay man, being a man who loves men. There's a place in, there's, we're socialized differently. We are, we are the subject of a unique and distinct scorn and hatred because we are men who love mm-hmm. men. It produces certain types of lifelong patterns this this longing to be close to other men is different. I would imagine than a woman being having that feeling with another woman because that 's so much more accepted in in our society so there's and because we are men we have the unique ability to influence all men, to speak to all men in ways that a woman would not have that same type of access. I yeah. think lesbians do something different.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. And, um, and, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned that gay men and, and straight women have a sort of a natural sort of affection and, and camaraderie. And that was not always true with um, gay men and lesbians.
1: No. It's, it, I see gay men and lesbians as being probably the furthest apart in terms of temperament and energies. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, and I would imagine, and I could be wrong, so you could correct me about this, but I would imagine that lesbians and straight men might find that type of bond as comfortable as gay men and straight women do. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's just an alignment of energies that is different with lesbians and straight men and as with gay men and, and straight women.
0: And I wonder how much of it is just innate in our, you know, character and soul and spirit, and how much of, you know, the gay sensibility is a result of, as you mentioned a minute ago, growing up hiding, growing up with scorn. It's those of us who came out, you know, we had to walk through a fire. We had to do something that Straight men and women don't have to do. And that did give us a sensibility and a sensitivity mm-hmm. to other outsiders and uh, people who are, you know, scorned for all types of reasons minorities, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people who are on the margins in any number of ways. Have you sort of sorted that out? You know, what's just sort of born in the gay spirit and what is sort of a, a function of our experience? in this time in culture? To a certain extent, yes. Uh, the answer to your question, to be an
1: integralist, if I may, would be to say it's both. Mm-hmm. It's both that innate inborn, those innate inborn qualities and our socialization. It's it's that interaction between the two. There's, I thought about this and I, I thought, well, what will happen? Let's just imagine the time when gay men and lesbians are, full equals. We're really equal people. Uh, what's, what, what will our experience be like? We're still going to be a minority. We will still be born into, largely born into heterosexual families. We will still be other in our own families of origin. We're going to look to the people in our biological family and not see a critical part of ourselves. So there will always be this piece of us that is the outsider and and that experience is foundational it changes us it affects our perspective from the very beginning of life mm-hmm. and so we begin to observe and see those on the inside from our outside perspective we are what i term intimate strangers and i do with the, with the majority and even with our own families of origin i also see and i i've asked group after group of men, we have this these innate differences of being sensitive and gentle and collaborative and not aggressive, generally the peaceful ones, mm-hmm. playing more gently, wanting to get along. This is our social orientation. So that really is innate. So as I see this, our contribution, and why I say our, gay men's contribution to humanity will change over time as the circumstances change, but that same pattern will remain.
0: Yeah. I I love when you were talking about in your book uh, that uh, it's just well known uh, among the law enforcement that you don't really have to worry about patrolling the gay bars. (laughs) Right. Because they never fight. There's never any trouble. Right. And and we can thank David Nimmin for
1: for that research (laughs) in his book, The Soul Beneath the Skin, The Unseen Hearts and Habits of Gay Men. It was one of the biggest ahas. And for most people I know who have read his book, it's the thing that we've kept with us saying, wow, the police know we're not violent. You can actually quantify this. (laughs) And we are not surprised that gay men are not violent. And And I thought about this in the chapter on it's a chapter on AIDS when I talk about how gay men showed up during the AIDS crisis and at the worst time of our history when, when the world hated us and wanted us to die and turned their backs on wow. us and, 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 and let us die. Gay men didn't turn violent. Right. It's astonishing. And the fact that no one is surprised by that is even more astonishing. It says that there's a, a common yet unspoken understanding that we are peaceful, that we have a peaceful energy, and that brings a completely different set of tools to the world. It's yeah. not only an energy, but we approach problems in the world from that peaceful perspective.
0: Isn't it astonishing how quickly and radically uh, gay people and gay culture has become acceptable in the uh, developed world? It's unbelievable when you
1: look at human history and evolution. It's been in the last 40, 30 years we've become human beings. Yeah. And maybe, in the last twenty, when we 've become a little more human, yeah so there's there's something happening as and as you talk about in integral theory, sort of this quickening of human evolution, yeah when you look at the emergence of of gays and lesbians, and you really can add lesbians into this because they have come out, they have been courageous, yeah. they have changed laws and minds, and they have influenced religion, and they have. Uh, changed their communities as well. We have done this together. We have shifted consciousness. And as and I look and I think about this, we may look back at this time in history and say, this is the moment when gays and lesbians led humanity to choose love
0: over hate. Yeah. Well, and the history is uh, just remarkable, and of course we map it out in integral theory, that we start with the indigenous and, and, and tribal cultures and in these cultures, apparently, and you may know more about this than I do, you know, we had the, the concept of the third sex, you know, quote, unquote, gay people in those cultures had a role and they were, um, they were accepted. And then when we moved into what we would call the warrior stages, where the patriarchy really came online, um, then it was completely marginalized. And then, you know, and and we see this in what we would call red cultures now, um, such as ISIS and Mm -hmm. really fundamentalist cultures. It's punishable by death. Right. And then we move into traditional cultures, uh, which we would call the amber cultures. And this is where you could sort of get away with it, but you'd have to hide. This This is the world of the closet, and everybody had to pass as straight, so to speak. And then when we moved into modern culture... Uh, you could be gay. And this was just, you know, in again, in my lifetime, maybe a little before mid-century, mid-20th century, century, uh, you could be gay, but it was a don't ask, don't tell world. And then when we move into postmodern culture, of course, postmodern culture is all about rehabilitating the victims of the earlier stages. And so in postmodern culture, it's okay to be gay. And in fact, it's something to be celebrated and, you know, uh, sort of people get curious about it. And as we move beyond that into uh, a more integrated or integral consciousness, of course, this is what's happening now. Uh, We're we're just sort of joining the mainstream. And I just wonder where it's going to go from here. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, where, does so gay, where does gay culture go from here? Is there even such a thing uh, as we move forward?
1: I believe there will be such a thing if we expand our identity beyond just having a different sexual orientation. We have a future if we claim the social roles that we play.
0: Yeah,
1: and And what's What's interesting about that trajectory that you just mapped out is that, in some ways, in a, in a current or contemporary form, it's returning back to those original indigenous roles. Yeah. And Will Roscoe, he's a scholar who has written extensively on the who what we would call the two-spirit people today, but they were called Berdash by the colonists. These are the gender variant men and women. These men and women were present in every tribe in North America. And he catalogs them in his book called Changing Ones, Third and Fourth Genders in Native North America. (laughs) It's astonishing the roles that the Berdash played. They, they, They were not just equal. They were honored for special gifts because they contributed something very important. They were a minority, of course. Some of them cross-dressed, not all of them did, but all of them played some very important function that ensured the survival of the tribe. So they became respected for that. And what, and what were those functions, Ray? They differed in each tribe. And so it was fascinating. Will Roscoe's work just blows my mind because it he reconstructs this lost history that the colonists didn't appreciate or care for and they they willfully and actively destroyed but there were uh the shamans those who served the healing functions the visionary functions about where do if it's a nomadic tribe where do we go next well that shaman would point the tribe to the next fertile territory and and the decision really it made the, the tribe either survive or perish. And so when when the shaman pointed in that direction, saying, we're going to travel here because this will bring us sustainability or wealth or harmony or whatever whatever the term might be, the tribe appreciates that. Of course, if they survived, it, they, they had to actually demonstrate their worth. These were craftsmen, the, the artisans, the ones who created the most beautiful crafts that then became traded with, many of the whites, the white settlers that brought economic value into, into the tribe. So the shamans, the healers, the wayfarers, the artisans,
0: Yeah, some it, of them were warriors too. Yeah, interesting. It, it, it's, I think, pretty clear just at first glance that gay people have more of a, a sensitivity and, and compassion. I think we can notice that in each other. And even aesthetic gifts— but spiritual gifts. You make the claim that there is a special spiritual gift of being gay. And that's interesting to me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. What's really interesting in talking about gay men is that you talk about one gift and then you see how it relates to several other gifts. And it's just simply the nature of describing people or groups of people. But in this this spiritual gift, it. You, you see this originate in, well, all of it originates in masculine-feminine intelligence, but the, having the sensitive sensitivity, the empathy, the collaborative, cooperative, social orientation that primes gay men to be of service to humanity. And that's one of the other gifts, an orientation towards service. So you see gay men fill these roles of priests therapist, coach, healer, that, that this orientation to service and this genuine desire to help primes us to be of service. And also being the ones who are pushed out of mainstream religion, it forces gay men to really to ask the hard questions about spirituality, to develop a unique spiritual path that leads to answers of authenticity. We are the Hester Prince pushed out from, from the mainstream, so we have to really look at what, what is God to mm-hmm. us, because the Catholic Church tells me I'm not part of that, or, or the Southern Baptist Church tells me that I'm a sinner. Well, how do I know I'm a good person? How do I know I'm a child of the universe, or whatever language we might use? So it forces us to develop authentic spiritual paths. And so you see this, this profusion of gay men as spiritual leaders today offering services in, 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 in various forms uh, from in, in many of the healing professions. And then let's not forget the Cauldron of AIDS. where those of us who survived the AIDS epidemic became the shamans. We literally experienced the death and rebirth process. So we went through yet another crisis where we came out the other side with our wisdom and authenticity in place so that we have become the shamans for contemporary humans.
0: That's really a wonderful new claim, if you will, or a new way of looking at what it is to be gay. Because we, we all know, you know, we're attracted to the same sex and we have a certain um, sensibility about aesthetics and so forth. But to actually get in touch with a special spiritual stream or a special spiritual gift is, as you say, it's it's part of the new way forward.
1: Yes. and And it's why when you look at this argument at the beginning on the surface it sounds like a tall order but when you dig just a little bit below the surface you begin to see wow yes gay men really are on some level shamans however we might define it a little bit differently in our current how's that
0: showing up today do you think ray it
1: shows up with gay men in leadership positions i mean let's just look at the the gay network. I, I say that we don't have a gay community because that's not really an accurate depiction of what we are. We're more like a network. So if we look at the gay network, you see gay men who have gone through this process of death and rebirth, watching people die, fearing for their own lives, sometimes almost dying, and then receiving the protease inhibitors and coming back to life. Mm-hmm. So renewed with this wisdom, entering back into life in positions of leadership. Those of us who survived uh, have gotten older and ha- are, are playing more senior roles in our communities, in our workplaces, um, as, as volunteers, as creators of different organizations, of spiritual communities, etc. So there's a different perspective that gay men bring. And, and whenever I ask men in my groups about this. They talk about that they can see both sides. It's, it's what, what you talk about as an integralist. Gay men can see the larger perspective, even when it comes down to on the job, helping people solve problems. They can collaborate or affirm the perspective of the two people who are fighting. Yes. Or who are seeing this seeing the differences they the gay men can bring them together in their workplace and create a new solution Yeah, so it, it happens in a million different ways.
0: Well, we call it an integral being multi Perspectival you can mm, take yeah. you know, you can take various perspectives often perspectives that are at war with each other and You know sort of a typical situation you can hold both at the yes. same time this is true of it of integral consciousness in general and maybe gay people have a little bit of a head start with that. Harry Hay talked about that in, in the 1950s. He said for centuries. And Harry
1: Hayes have, is one of the. What are the he's, it's, oh, he was the, he was the founder of the Mattachine Society, which was the first gay rights group in 19, I think in 1950. Yeah. And he's known as the founder of the modern gay rights movement. Hugely, hugely influential. We would, he gave us the idea, the concept of being a sexual minority. He and Donald Webster Corey, they kind of did it at the same time. But Harry Hay really had the influence. He launched the modern gay rights movement. And he talked so, about this being multi-perspectival? Well, he didn't use that word, that language. But he said that, that for centuries, gay men, and, and he called us you know, queers, or, or uh, would, would, would look on, would reflect back to heterosexuals all of who they are without judgment that we learned he said we learned to listen to them without judgment and reflect that back Hmm. so so we could see the totality of who they are and that that's a profoundly healing experience if you've ever gone to a therapist or a coach or you have a friend who listens and really understands you when
0: someone really sees you that changes you yeah no it's profound So you work a lot with gay men now. And how are the people that you're working with, the men you're working with, how do they respond to this?
1: It's like electricity. Hmm. I, I, I had my book opening in New York on March 6th at the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, which is a cultural space and bookstore at the LGBT Center in New York. And it was like the room had lit up. There's something very exciting about this idea because it's a new model. Yeah. It completely flips the script on its head. It no longer says that we are just a, a minority that deserves to be treated equally, but that we have something important to do, that we do something different. There's, I, I get excitement this Glint of recognition that the feedback I get from the men who've read my book say it's revolutionary They say I can see my masculine feminine intelligence in action. Now. I use it differently in my job mm-hmm. Wow So it's it's profound. There's people have called it revolutionary. Yeah.
0: Are you noticing any difference? between uh, the generations you know, I'm about to turn 61 here. So I've been mm-hmm. through the whole thing of being, you know, completely closeted in a world. When I was a teenager, you just mm-hmm. didn't, uh, you know, come out. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even talked about. This was, uh, part of it was I was, you know, in the Steel Valley of Western Pennsylvania, but I think that was true roughly everywhere in the in the early 60s, late 50s. But now young gay men have a you know, very different experience. Are you noticing that in the men you work with
1: i i get the same glint or if it's more of a glint sometimes it's more of like an explosion of of recognition not all young gay men will get this because not all young gay men are ready for it right but i not all older gay men are ready for this so i it's interesting because i get the same kind of response across the generations. And I thought it would be different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought that the older men would get it, the younger gay men would feel alienated from it. But but what's, what I hear instead is this sense among young gay men that they don't really know who they are, because they don't have the same kind of struggle. They don't feel as connected to other gay men, because they didn't have that experience that the older men had with AIDS and being a hated minority, so you really had to cluster together. They don't have that experience, mm-hmm. so it's all about. It's more like about meeting your meeting the the best boyfriend, uh, hooking up. It's about I don't know. It's about celebrities and fashion. The the there's a there's a hunger to for something deeper, something that connects to their authenticity. And the young gay men I talk to are just as excited about this. They get it.
0: Yeah. Who do you see out there who are leading the gay awakening or evolution? Who's out there that has caught your eye in, you know, culture or politics? Politics is a realm that I, I
1: am not, it's just not my natural realm. So, I don't know that I have much to say about it mm-hmm. i don't I don't know who I would identify as a as a leader in the political world. I would probably leave that to people who are more inclined to politics to answer it. it more on the spiritual side i mean there are there are many men who have been doing this kind of work, and it's individuals and its groups it's It's places like Easton Mountain, for instance, where it's a retreat center where gay men. Explore various paths. Some overtly spiritual, others not that have nothing to do with with what we might consider spirituality, but personal growth for them. You have teachers. Yeah, Christian De La Huerta is is doing his work. He's he's one of those those leaders and and teachers. Toby Johnson. It was one of my editors. He was the founder or the. He's written several books on the subject. He edited the White Crane Journal. He runs a gay spirituality group in Austin, Texas. Uh, you've got gay men who are doing. Uh, there's a there's a man in uh, in uh, Mark Anthony Lloyd is creating this new Pride 2.0 conference. So there there are men around the country and around the world. It's it's a little quieter. Like the the evolution of consciousness doesn't get coverage. It doesn't.
0: It's not news. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't think it's exists, you yeah. know, that, that we're just fundamentally the same as we always were. And, uh, you know, that's just, if, if you don't see it, you don't see it.
1: And, and even, even me, as I was writing this book, Toby had to tell me, had to inform me that, no, this, this inquiry has been going on since the beginning of the gay rights movement. Mm-hmm. I thought it just began with the radical fairies when, when Harry Hay and uh, Don Kilhefner and the group created this new whole spiritual path but no it had been going on all alongside the political developments but in our culture for something to become be news it has to be i don't know there has to be an event taking place or a tragedy or a triumph this is more subtle yeah when gay men recognize their 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 own sh- gifted nature that doesn't get the front that doesn't get doesn't make a headline
0: i know a friend of mine and i uh conducted uh, gay meditation retreats for about eight years Mm. uh, back in the late 90s. And we had uh, an inordinate number of Catholic priests attend those uh, meditation retreats.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, I was always just shocked by that. Uh, And of course, that went bad somehow with, um, you know, the pedophilia. And what do you make of that?
1: It's such a shame. It is The Catholic Church's position on homosexuality is such a travesty because they miss out on the gift that gay men give to humanity as priests. Gay men are primed and natural priests. Not all gay men, of course, right. but there are so many gay men because of this sensitivity this this different social orientation and this orientation to service who are absolutely primed to be spiritual teachers and caregivers. And many gravitate to the priesthood. I know, I know a handful of of gay men who have left the priesthood because of the toxic conditions. And so what it does is it warps and, and steals the energy from the gay men who remain within it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's terrible because they really rob their parishioners of gay men's gifts by, by forcing the, the, the gay men in their midst into the closet and to hate themselves and to
0: hide. Well, and also into celibacy. Yes. Uh, you mentioned in your book that, of course, gay men are known for you know, uh, being sexually adventuresome, uh, having multiple partners, uh, pioneering polyamory. Um, that sort of thing, do you see that continuing? Do you see that uh, continuing to um, permeate uh, culture at large? What do you see there in terms of sexual leadership? I think and that is one of the gifts
1: of sexual leadership it it's not it's not going to change considerably and and by that i uh, I mean it will continue to have an outsized influence on our culture, and the uh, the basis of this gift of sexual leadership. There's there's several ways that I define it, and it's it's approaching sex for pleasure, free of constraints, free of shame, free of external control. It's approaching uh, your sex partner as an equal, and so there's there's a different energy that sexual leadership brings. When you look at gay men and how we. Demonstrate sexual leadership. There's something very distinct about male-on-male sexuality It's as I say if you want to understand stand men's sexuality study gay men because this is us in our native habitat Yeah, and there's this explosive energy because we understand each other We meet each other's gaze quickly. We have the same type of uh, needs and desires and that often leads to quick lots of sex, doesn't always, it might end up, it might translate simply into cruising, which is another form of visually connecting, whether it actually results in sex or not. But there's this dynamic interchange of energies And I liken this to the interchange of energies among people in a city. When you have a densely populated city, you have this exchange of ideas that creates culture. It it creates something that is much greater than the sum of its parts because it unleashes all of this creativity. So when you look at men-on-men sexuality, it, it actually gives birth to creativity. You see it result in the outsized cultural contributions that we make. So as long as we are men having sex with men, being attracted to other men, cruising other men, we're going to continue to make outsized cultural contributions to society. So that so our sexual energy gives birth to much of the culture that drives human culture. So we, we contribute in disproportionate numbers to the cultural vitality that refreshes everyone yeah. and makes the world a better place to live in.
0: Yeah, I, I often think that, you know, certainly gay men have led the way in in a lot of this, but culture, men and women uh, and and just, you know, heterosexual culture as a whole also is evolving. And I often think that one of the reasons that uh, homosexuals became more acceptable is because oral and anal sex became more acceptable in the straight world, Hmm. you know? If we think about our parents and grandparents versus men and women today, it's just not so, um, you know, the, the yuck factor has been sort of diffused in the culture at large.
1: I would suggest that, that gay men have influenced sexual tastes of all of heterosexuals. I would actually suggest that, I mean, heterosexuals started the sexual revolution, but gay men took it over. And ran with it I mean we did we took leadership of the sexual revolution without without a doubt and our experimentation our free experimentation Kathy Crimmins talks about this in her in her book the um, how the homosexual saved civilization she talks about how gay men's experimentation with sex suddenly made porn made BDSM made anal and oral sex things that straight people are suddenly curious about
0: yeah no it's interesting well, Ray, what um, else would you like to um, put forth here? I, I'm not sure I have any more particular questions, but I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, fill in any blanks.
1: I could probably talk about this all day, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I'll just I'll I'll just end with just a couple of thoughts. the The thesis of this book is that gay men have the talents and the skills to help humanity solve its greatest problems. And we have the potential to lead humanity through the new way forward, which is this balancing of the masculine and feminine, that the balancing of masculine and feminine within each human being and re- balancing our relationship to the earth as well. So the the new way forward is the balance of masculine and feminine. It's balancing individual rights and the collective good, and it's balancing human activity and nature. So there's something special about the gay man. It emerges in childhood before sexual orientation shows up. It's something that parents can notice in their children, and it's something that parents can nurture and as I end the book, I'll end, my, thought on, uh, I'll end our, our, my thoughts with this. As I think about the future, parents will understand that they have a responsibility to help their boy discover whether he is part of a minority or a majority of men and to help him discover who he is whether it's it's his sexual orientation and his social orientation. And and that will be hugely healing and will help diminish some of that wound of being born as a gay man.
0: Yeah. Well, hallelujah. And thank you so much. Well said and, um, uh, and, and well done in your book, uh, Gay Men and the New Way Forward. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Ray Riglioso, Uh, The book, again, Gay Men and the New Way Forward. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us today, Ray.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure.